This is the Branches Podcast. We try to keep it simple in this family of faith. Love God and love people. Let's not make it harder than Jesus intended. If you'd like to know more about our community of faith, you can visit us at branchesoc.com. There was a night, a specific night, the night that Jesus was to be betrayed. And he knew it was the end, at least the end of this part of the journey. And so he gathered his disciples and he pulled out three of them specifically that he was close with. And he said this, sit here while I go over there and pray. We're trying to look at the words of Jesus and what he's trying to communicate. And by understanding what he's trying to communicate, we understand what's important. And we can understand ourselves and him and life better. So that's why we're going through this series, listening at the feet of Jesus. So I want us to listen to these words in a new light that we might not have listened to before. So sit here while I go over there and pray. Why does he want them to stay there? Why does he need to even tell them? And why doesn't he ask them to pray for him? Instead of asking for them to pray for him, he asked them to sit. I mean, isn't Jesus pretty independent? Don't you think they would have said, what do you need us here for? You can just turn to your heavenly father. Aren't we useless to you? Like, what value do we have? But of course they would leave. Because if he prays for any period of time, they just are going to get bored sitting in the same space. I mean, maybe they'd fall asleep and that would keep them in that same space. But for the most part, as human beings, we, we get fidgety to put up with something too long that's uncomfortable or inconvenient or not entertaining enough. We're just not that into it. So Jesus says, sit here while I go over there and pray. What is he trying to communicate? What I want us to look at is that Jesus had a need. You don't usually think that way. I don't usually think that way, but if we look at the humanity of Jesus, he's not just teaching us about the Father, he's also teaching us about ourselves. Because he chose, on, he chose to take human form and we are in human form. Easter came and I was teaching the message sharing what I'm so excited to share, this, this message, this gospel, this good news. But in the middle of it, as I looked out and saw everyone, after so long of not being together, and so many people I hadn't seen in a while, I realized something. And this happens often when I'm speaking. I think it happens to a lot of people when they're speaking. An idea or a thought or an epiphany comes to you in the middle of communicating. And most of us aren't locked into the notes that are in front of us. And at that moment, I believe that God stepped in and opened my eyes to something that I hadn't fully understood before, at least not to the level that I did then. And what I realized and what I said to the people that were there is, I realize that I need you. And what I meant by that is that so often when we look at the idea of being a part of a church and 
For this message to make any sense, we need to understand that church is not a building. It is not a Sunday morning gathering. It's a people. And so when I was there with the church, I realized that so often we come or participate because of what it does for us. And so often, because I'm a pastor, people think that when I speak to them that they need to be at church and that I want them to be there because it's good for them. But what I realized on that Easter and I communicated was it's not really all about that. In fact, that's not even the primary reason that you should be a part of a church. The reason that you should be part of a church is because we need you. And specifically at that moment, I realized I needed them in a way that I hadn't understood before until they were there. It was as if I realized that I wanted to tell them, and so I did in different words, but pretty much the same, sit here with me while I pray. So it's been said and I don't know how they measure this, so it's a little difficult to measure, but that despite the constant, always-on connectivity of our culture, we're the loneliest generation in history. We've been called a swipe right culture. And what that means is, is that there's these apps, most of them are for dating, but they have them for other things as well, where if you see something you like, you swipe right. So it's, it, as uh, Daniel just said, it's, this, it's basically saying yes, or if it's a no, then you swipe left, no. And we make such quick decisions, right? On so many different things. And the crazy thing about that is, is that we do that with human beings. We do that in relationships. Um, if something helps us, if something is a benefit to us, or if we're attracted to it, we swipe right. But as soon as something becomes difficult, as soon as someone rubs us the wrong way, or there's the potential of that, we just swipe left. And that contributes to this loneliness and this disconnectedness. Even though we have all these tools that seem to give us the opportunity to be connected. So the swipe right attitude, it doesn't give us freedom, it actually disconnects us. So let's jump into these words of Jesus, let's look at the context of what's happening here and see what he might be trying to teach us by the way that he's approaching life. It's Matthew 26, and it starts in verse 27. And what's happening here is that they're having communion. Communion, as we know today, did not exist until this night. So prior to Jesus saying these words, they had communion. He took the cup. When he given thanks, he said, drink it. All of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That had not been said before. I mean, this was part of the Passover, but Jesus is changing it. And so they take communion, which is not just to be communion with God, but also it's meant to be done with each other. When we belong to God, we belong to each other. 
And he incorporates that into this ritual of communion. And then he says this. They take communion, and then he immediately says, this very night, you will all fall away. You will all abandon me. You will all swipe left. Peter, you're going to swipe left three times. No, no, didn't know the man. He says this. Now, if this is me, and I know this is going to happen to me, I'm swiping left before they get the chance to. I will disconnect from you before you get the chance to hurt me. Disconnect from me. And I know, I know I'm not alone in that. We've had it happen enough. The more you live, you see it happen and it hurts. And so you want to protect yourself from that. So we reject others before they get the chance to reject us. It's difficult to embrace, to belong when we live like this. So Jesus is saying, you're going to fall away from me. You're going to leave me alone. But amazingly, Jesus doesn't swipe left at this moment. He does the opposite. Verse 36. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And I love what someone said about Gethsemane. Gethsemane, which is just really a garden, just an area. Uh, it's an olive garden. Big, old trees that are still there today. But Gethsemane is where we go when there's nowhere else to go but to God. Because this is the night that he will be betrayed. This begins the process of the cross. It doesn't surprise Jesus, but it doesn't make it any easier. And so as he's going into this, knowing what he is about to experience, he turns to his friends. We always think of them as the disciples, as the apprentices, as the, as the kids, but they were also his friends. Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Knowing what was coming, there was sorrow, there was, he was disconcerted. And he knows that soon that these three particularly are going to abandon him. But he recognizes that he still needs them. We need each other. We need people, even those that may hurt us later. My son, uh, we went for a trip that we do for the boys. Uh, my daughter will have it happen for her as well when they turn 16. And we go away with their, uh, for my son, for, with his uncles and those who were mentors in his life. He chooses who comes. And they come to guide him and to speak words to him of what it means to be a man. And there was an amazing moment uh, that started it off this last uh, Friday night where his uncle said this. He said, when you were small, I used to push you into waves when we'd go surfing. Push you so that would help you to stand up. 
because they're so small, they don't have enough strength to develop the speed um, to catch up to the wave, to go at the same speed as the wave. And he said, but now you paddle faster than I do. And I still, when we're out, because we just surfed earlier that day, even now, he said to my son, I still want to push you into waves, even though you, you're so much stronger of a paddler than I am. So I really can't push you into waves anymore. I can't do that for you. But I will always be out there in the water with you. I will always paddle out with you. Of course, he wasn't just talking about surfing. He was talking about life. And for all of us there, all those family, mentors, those who are supposed to have the wisdom to pass on, we all recognized truth when we saw it. We all recognize the beauty of what his uncle said because we all want that. We all need that. And we all have to recognize that we need that. So when Jesus says, sit here while I go over there and pray, he's saying, I need you to paddle out with me. I need you here. I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to be here. Jesus goes on to say, my soul is overwhelmed and sorrow to the point of death. Most of that stuff we keep inside, don't we? And if you're the son of God and you're the Messiah, I would be tempted to hold that back. Well, I don't want to cause any obstacles for others. I don't want them to become confused. I don't want them to see this weakness. But we're human. And Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he says, I have sorrow. I'm overwhelmed. And he says again, differently, stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is never more human than he is right here at this moment. To belong to God is to belong to others. And those disciples, they approach Jesus' as students. They approach him with an attitude of, what can you do for me? I need you to pull me to your level. I'm down here, you're up there. But Jesus is trying to communicate to them, I need you. And if he's going to say that to them, that means they have the ability to be a gift, to be a blessing to Jesus. I mean, by the nature of that relationship, like a father to a child, we just assume, oh, I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to care for you, but you don't need to ever care for me. He's flipped it upside down. We are meant to serve each other and we've been given the capacity to meet that purpose. Um, on this trip, another uncle spoke up, a few people after, and he said, you know what? You're a lot like me. We have a lot of the same gifts. And I wanna tell you that when I was a teenager, it was all about me. When I was not a teenager anymore and I was 
moving in my 20s, I still made it all about me. He said, but I hope you figure it out sooner than I do, that as you mature, as you grow as a human being, as you grow as a follower of Jesus, you're going to realize that maturity means that you move from making it about you to focusing on others and making it about them. He says, I still struggle with that. My nature is to always think about myself. How does this affect me? What's this going to do for me? Should I swipe right? Should I swipe left? Instead of looking at life on how can I be there for others? How can I serve others? Again, there was this silence that fell in the room as everybody realized when they were in the presence of truth. Jesus said, he said, even the Son of Man, even I, Jesus, didn't come to be served. I have every right to. I'm the King, the King of Kings. And yet, even I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life away for others. That's what we're called to. That is imperative to the human experience. And when we belong to God, by default, we belong to others. Our relationship with God cannot just be this vertical relationship. It's just me and God. I don't need anybody else. That's not how this works. And we know that because even Jesus shows us that. He didn't tell them to sit here, watch while I pray, because he wanted to teach them a lesson. But if they're paying attention, if we're listening, then we'll see what's communicated here. I like what um, Paul said in Romans 12:5. He said, so in Christ, we who are many are one body. So we're one body. He's using that metaphor, like we're all connected. And each member belongs to one another. Do you look at it that way? Do you look at that reality and say, yes, I belong to others? That's a different way. That's not swipe right, swipe left. Let's say, no, I'm here to serve. I'm not going to be selective because I belong to the body of Christ. So when we make a decision to follow the way, when we make a decision to surrender to God, when we turn to God and say, this life that you gave me, I give it back to you, then we're also giving it back to those that have made that same decision. And I always had a hard time with this, especially when I was first making a decision to follow Jesus. When Paul said, we do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I'm like, mm, really? Should we really serve them first? And that seem a little, but that's what we're supposed to do. We start, people should come to the church, remember the group of people, and see how we love each other. And it's a reflection of how God loves us. It's a, it's a reflection of the way things are supposed to be. So do you know, and I wanna make sure this is crystal clear, so obviously I'm going to need God's help. But do you realize that the reason that we have the church, the people, is not because someone 
can come and get what they want. It's a transformation of thinking where we say we are going to come and be a part of this group because people need me. Have you thought of it that way before? People need you. We don't come to be served, but we come to serve. And the best way that we can serve is to let others know they belong and to be present with them. You don't have to have answers. You don't have, you don't have to be great teachers. You just have to be human and sit with people. It's not first about you and your wants and your desires and your right swiping. It's primarily that others need you. So the question is, are you going to be a part of it? You can't say I follow Jesus but I don't need others because that's not the way God's designed us. And people will fail you. That's part of the way this works but we refuse to swipe left on them. We say, you know what? I'm a part of this body of Christ. And there's things put in place. Jesus and the early church fathers have given us guidance on how to live as a community so that we don't abuse that. But we can't continue to do life in isolation. We need to fulfill this calling of belonging to each other just as Jesus made very clear when he said, sit here, stay and keep watch with me. I need you. God bless.